Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles with me, Ross Bolin, and your co-host, Mr. Barrett Dudley, here as we are every week to discuss the latest and greatest in film. A lot going on this week, Barrett. Um, yeah. The Olympics are popping off. They are. And I'm just neck deep in beach volleyball, and, and I know that that's what you wanted to talk about. It today. is. Have you been watching a lot of the Olympics for real? Yeah, man. I, 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 I put on the Olympics. Yeah, but, but I, but I, it's perfect like evening television okay, before so, I watch shows. So you're getting it in. So because because the, the tel- yeah because the telecast starts at seven basically sometimes right. six, and that is when you're seeing a lot of the morning Tokyo stuff. So right. it's it's the live events. Right. And so I pop that thing on at seven, and I just watch whatever they're showing me. And I would just uh, like definitively. I don't think this is this is arguable. Okay. It's swimming number one, track and field number two, gymnastics number three. That's the order of the list that it's in. Um, of exciting events at the Olympics. Of like, yeah, that's the big. That's the big shit that everybody likes and watches. Like my personal, like I love watching beach volleyball, but I know that not everybody gets a kick out of watching beach volleyball. Sure, and the stakes the big, don't feel as high as when right. you're watching the, the swimming big, or the. The big stuff is swimming, gymnastics, and uh, the track and field. Where every country is fully invested. It's not like with, like, for example, basketball, where like we mostly yeah, kick yeah. the shit out of everybody with the exception right. of a couple countries. Yeah. And it's not really this thing that the whole world is invested in the way the U.S. is. It is. It's still shocking to me, though, that like Spain has Ricky Rubio, like a B minus NBA player. Yeah. And like That's La- Latvia has Luka Doncic, you know? Yep. And these teams are so competitive based on one good player in international play. It makes zero sense, Ross. Like, I know that America is probably going to win the gold again. But, like, the fact that the USA with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Jason Tatum and just, like, it's an all-star team. It is an all-star team. Yeah, it's an ungodly like, team. They should be winning games 120 to 20. Basketball like, is a weird be, sport, it though. It should be so far... Out of reach for everybody yeah. else, and yeah. it's not. Do you wa- like have these, you watched these some teams, of these? These teams thrive based off of one good player and just like a different style of basketball That's that they play. That's a big part of it, though. The FIBA rules and the yeah. way the game plays internationally, it lends itself to these teams being able to compete. And a lot of the time when I'm watching basketball in particular, and it's U.S. versus whoever, I'm not watching unless we're playing, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm like, damn, could I make... <laughs> That other squad, like yeah, of this could you ass like, go country, play for Slovenia, right? And yeah. the answer is like absolutely fucking not. <laughs> but when you're watching Kevin Durant go against these dudes who play FIBA style ball and have yeah. never seen anybody like him, with the exception of like the one NBA guy they have on their team, right, right. It's tough, man. It's it's and also our guys get real disengaged. All right, you have yeah, to remember yeah. like when we I've seen a lot of this argument but when we roll out the old heads. And most of them already have gold medals and shit. Like they just don't have the same incentive as yeah, if yeah. we rolled out eighteen to twenty-two year old kids who are like out there fighting for their country in their right, heads. Right, right. Um, and I just don't know if that's as much of a thing as it used to be in the nineties and eighties, in particular. Like for Gen Z, do they strike you as like a super patriotic generation of Americans? No. no. So it's just Least a different patriotic feel. generation uh, of all time. I would right. Say. So it's just a different <laughs> feel than like this. Everybody loves the USA. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. all go win gold for our country than it used to be, especially right. in the days of COVID. The thing is just, it's been weird. So to my yeah. point, I haven't watched as much of the Olympics as I normally do because it just feels, I don't know, scattered. Yeah, it is. And it's weird. And there's a lot, you, you, you're you missing quite a bit without the fans there. It's like, it's weird because because it only happens every four years or every two, if you just want to talk about Olympics in general. Sure. You always kind of forget like what it's supposed to feel like. Right. And so with with the beach volleyball where they're playing in like this badass little arena where like big stands were erected around the the sand and like obviously the an Olympic stadium where there should have been thousands upon thousands of fans and everybody is supposed to have their family there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, your kids come, your mom and dad come. Every like, generation every, of your family. Yes, yeah. like, and you've got these big supporting sections, and it's like, we're the, the the lack of that definitely has pulled me out of stuff like gymnastics, which I usually get a little bit of enjoyment out of. And this year, this year, like, it's like thirty seconds, and then I'm like, I switch it off of gymnastics. It feels and way more because stressful there's, because there's just no like. I feel like they're doing less of the of the 
or, or of the human interest part of it, and they can't cut to the family, and there's just like yeah, it's just more in a vacuum. It feels so cold. It feels, it feels a little colder yeah. and, and less exciting. Whereas like you go to something like swimming. Um, or track and field, where it's you're very narrow on what's happening anyway. It's a race. It's fast. It's quick. And so it's, it's not like, hard to tell what's happening, who's yeah. winning. So it's that's that's much easier to kind of like get into with without the fans. But. but you're right. It's not the same as when they're able to like cut to like his his or her third grade t ball coach <laughs> that like helped him that time they got yeah. robbed on yeah. the way to the bus, and that was a huge part of their story that got them to Olympic glory. And it's just like without that, yeah. I feel like I'm watching people just like in the most stressful scenario they'll ever be in in their lives. Can you imagine that though? Like if every time we did the show for just five minutes of it, Mm -hmm. the whole world could watch. Yeah. That's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I mean, like when people give, you know, Simone Biles and the like shit for having uh, mental health issues during the Olympics or at any point, really. Like, have you have you stopped and considered the job? You work all of the time your whole life. For this window every four years where the entire world stops and watches you do flippy floppies. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's some shit. <laughs> and you might die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You could land on your head pretty and freaking I mean, easily. It for, and especially for, like, gymnasts and swimmers to some extent, I, I, I feel like, I, I don't know, it, definitely for gymnasts, it's like literally nobody cares about your sport except for every four years. Right. Like, it's not like we all tune in for the, uh, oh, I can't name another fucking event. Like <laughs> that involves gymnastics. Yeah, I don't know yeah. them, and I, I know that I know that you the can circus? say the same thing for a lot of the sports, including the ones that I've talked about, including beach volleyball and swimming sure. and 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 uh, and track and field. But there's just more like there's just more going on. Even those other, even those well, sports a, like a swimming, familiarity with it, right? And swimming and track and field have like giant college programs. You know what I mean? Yes. Like you go like well, so do gymnastics at some schools. It depends on the school though. Yeah, but it's. Not down here. It feels like less of a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely in the South where you and I are predominantly familiar with universities, nobody cares about gymnastics. Definitely. It's yeah. not a thing that gets yeah. talked about. Yeah. So so it's yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of a lot of pressure on all those all those folks out there it's who weird, now don't though. even have their support systems with them there. And that's the thing about the gymnastics <laughs> side of it too, is like I don't even know what's happening. So I'm just like, oh shit. And I mean, you can kind of tell, you know, you can t- especially on the landing, yeah. where all of us may- have to make our Oh, wow, she fucked that one up. Yeah. Took yeah, a step yeah. Oh, clearly that wasn't good. <laughs> it's like one out of 50 that somebody sticks the landing and yeah. we're all like, holy shit. It was genius. And she still gets like an 8.6 and we don't know why. Nope. No idea. No yeah. idea. Yeah. But it is fun. Um, I'm looking forward to another Olympics and another era of my life. Yeah. yeah. Where things feel Olympic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That more normal, maybe a little bit more on the on the American time. Maybe the correct year, That's, dude. I I swear to God, the the only thing propping up the Olympics is NBC. <laughs> NBC in America, They're all I think, in. is the only reason that the Olympics even still exist. Yeah, because like they have like they have pushed. There's they are pushing all the live coverage to like Peacock. Like if you want to watch a specific something live, you got to go to Peacock and you got to find it on their new streaming app. Hell. And it's like the you know obviously there's there a lot of people are still tuning in for these evening telecasts and they got Mike Tarico over there and they got Michael Phelps and they got Katie Ledecky coming in to doing all the shit. But like Ledecky, I, I don't know that it's like this in other countries where like, where they where there's this massive event that takes over one of the main television channels for the entire 16 days or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Dude, it used to feel like it was every channel that it took over. And now with all the different streaming, because they would syndicate the shit out onto like three or four different news networks, I feel like. Now, I think it's it only been- just it's, NBC? It's, it, well, it, it, has, it has bopped around between networks, but NBC oh, okay. for however long has like had the Olympic coverage. And it's always one exclu- one sole network that yes, you know, but ne- makes but the deal are, for that are, Olympic you are, coverage. You are somewhat right in the fact that like the last several Olympics that NBC has had- they push it to all of the networks that they own for various okay, there you stuff. Go. So it's like on, not Bravo, but like but True, a bunch of different channels. True TV and and Golf Channel and like a bunch of weird shit that you're like, oh yeah, NBC owns that. I feel like it is more difficult the ask of go download this app, subscribe to another platform, and then you can watch the Olympics. Yeah, like, well, that's that's been the big NBC push. I, mean, I know, like I, I did it. The, yeah. I mean, I already had Peacock, so it wasn't yeah. like a thing for me. But even bouncing over there. And it's a little confusing because, like, I, I clicked on something and I was watching it and I was like, wait, is this happening right now? 
Yeah, you gotta. I, that's the other thing. I only like to watch if there's the little live thing in the in the box, and obviously that's that's tough right now. Although, like I was saying, you do get some of that in the 7 p.m. telecasts. So. I just can't do sports that aren't live. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, not yeah. a thing for me. Yeah. Can't watch sports yeah. that aren't live. Yeah. But regardless, um, yes, the Olympics going on. Support your country by watching and and cheering and such. The White Lotus. Also going on. The White Lotus. Yes, it's happening. Uh, on HBO Max, it, it turns out um, it, it is, in fact, still ass-eating season at the White Lotus. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And just golf clap for uh, for HBO. It's been a while since they got some gratuitous... Um, Sexual activity. Just Yeah, yeah and ass-eating in particular. You know, yeah. they, they really... Who can forget the numerous times on HBO television shows where this has happened? I guess most famously in the episode of Girls. <laughs> um, and it was just, you know, it's fun when HBO gets a little self-referential and calls back to itself. And I have to believe that that's what, that's what Mike White did here. He just knows that HBO was going to go for this. And um, You want to hear a story the, about the, how it the, unfolded? That this was his opportunity to, to, to splash it on the... Uh, on the small screen, and 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 he took it, and you know it was glorious. That's all I'll have. That's all I'll say. He took the two hole to the small screen. <laughs> and, okay, so Lucas Gage, the guy who plays Dylan, yeah, uh, was interviewed, and he said uh, by the AV Club, he said, "I expect to be surprised by Mike White because he is such a brilliant white writer, and I love that there's a natural defiance in almost everything that he does, which I find to be funny because I I don't know who Mike White is." Um, there's a sense of burning down the, I'm sure you have an answer for me. There's a sense of burning down the system in his writing, and I love that. In this moment, referring to the ass-eating scene, Armand kind of just says, fuck it all. <laughs> uh, then he goes on to explain that in the first draft of that scene, Dylan and Armand were caught having, like, full penetrative sex. Okay. But he and Bartlett thought that they could find a more creative way to expose their character's tryst, and they pitched the ass-eating element and said, wouldn't it be more interesting if he's getting his salad tossed? I mean, how often do we see that on TV? I think it's much more interesting and more jarring to walk in on. And I have to say, this was absolutely the right choice. <laughs> Regular sex is not nearly as funny as eating someone's ass. Yes. Uh, and Just on a comedic scale, it's sliding. That, that's exactly right. This was the... Funnier thing to walk in on, yeah, for sure. Especially because you you just you you lay this scene out where Armand <laughs> is obviously like you know big bonk go to horny jail, yeah. Um, this guy he's is just so aged. He's got, he's got the wolf smile on, right? He is just aged up. Well cast, by the way. Yeah, this guy so good. <laughs> uh, and so you think that like I don't know. You think that that he that you think I feel like you have one idea of what he wants in his mind. Yeah. And it's not eating ass. <laughs> yeah, you you don't expect it when that door opens, and it is it's that's what makes it so perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was it was just kind of like it's obviously you know like you said it's not something you see on TV a whole shock lot. Shock moment. It's kind of jarring, uh, but also funny to walk to walk in on on um, on that type of scene. So, so. our boy's reaction, um, who who adamantly is steadfast in in making sure he gets to follow this woman to Armin's office. When the door opens and he's just like, oh, yes. Like, no shock even, really. He's just like, this guy is fucked now. I loved that because, honestly, that would, it, like, fits with his, like, frat boy, yep. um, weird, like, cool dude, but also mama's boy. But, all, like, he's just, he's so not concerned with anything that, like, it's just about him. Yep. And the ability to now fuck this guy because he didn't give him the right room. That's all he cares about. I loved the scene in this episode where it's him and his wife at the table and Armand walks by and completely ignores him. And he tries to do the right thing. He tries to fight it. He's like, ah, fucking guy, man. And then like a couple more minutes into the conversation, he's like, I'm sorry. I fucking can't. And he goes and she's just like, I love that. And yeah, then we finally yeah. get his mom in this one. Yeah. Um, we got to give a lot of love, a lot of shouts to Jake Lacey, though, because he is a guy that typically gets cast as kind of like the nice guy. Right. Sure. He's 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 uh, he's young Jim. That's his a.k.a. AKA young Jim. He's not young Jim. Young Jim. That was his nickname. Though, but it, right? that's his nickname. Yeah. Or or is he plop? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, who can? Um, if you can't, I can't. You know, he's he's this funny, sweet, nice guy that like he's he is the uh, he's the nice guy to Andy's heel, right? With the whole Aaron situation in the office, which, by the way, I don't know if it was on purpose or not. Again, a reference, but okay. the fact that he's wearing a Cornell hat—that that's where he went. 
Could be an ant, could be a little wink to Andy. Thousand percent. Because yeah. this one even I noticed, and I was like, look, I was a fan of The Office like everybody, but not yeah. like you, not like a lot of people who sure. have rewatched it many times. And even I went, oh, the Cornell hat has to be a wink. Because he's, he's such a similar type of and Yeah, and he's even acting douche. a little Andy-ish. Yeah. Yes. He's so, an Andy-esque douche. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're saying he's, he's normally in, supposed to be very likable, Jake Right, Lacey. and in High Fidelity, he's, like, he's again, he's the good guy. He's like, he's the one that's kind of pursuing Zoe Kravitz, and, and she won't really, like... Does she like him or or does she not really like him because he's not like a bat? You know, he's not Clyde. Yeah, he's Clyde. his name there. Anyway, uh, all that to say that he's getting the opportunity to kind of play against type here. Yeah. And he is so good at being a dickhead. Okay. I have to throw this out there because he was also in Girls. Yeah, and I do, and I'm I'm actually I can't remember if he was a good guy or dick in his it was girls. his name was Fran Parker, and I I think he may have I can't really remember, but I want to say he did go dickish on girls. Okay. But it's just interesting to me that that's the other, I mean, probably the most famous ass-eating scene in television history. There's not that many to pick from, Barrett. No. <laughs> like, the one from the most popular show of the ass-eating scenes is going to win, so I yeah. think it's girls. Yeah. The most famous scene in ass-eating history. <laughs> um, so maybe Jake Lacey, uh, the actor who plays him, suggested that. Who knows, man? But he, we got a lot he, of conspiracy theories here. He's just chewing it up, and he plays this... <laughs> He just plays this role so unbelievably well. Phrasing. Because, like, he he is obviously the worst, and yet, at every turn, you, like, kind of understand at least the kernel of where he's coming from. That may just be us, though, because we have we're white douchiness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, but I'm... But I do understand what you're saying. There's a lovability to his stupidity and almost like he, the mama's he, boyness of he's, it. He's awful. Don't get me wrong. Like he cannot say the right thing to save his life. Every conversation that he has with his wife, you are just like, oh my god, you like, dude, stop talking. Come bro. on, man, stop talking. Yeah. Um, and you just feel so bad for Rachel, who clearly did not know what she was getting herself into. Yeah, these two had apparently never spoken. <laughs> Before the honeymoon. Like, these conversations they're having are like some day, at least but, 20 shit. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just so, it's fun to watch him, like, not be able to let this go. And to, like, have his mom come in and them sitting at the table, like, doing, like, the money, 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 money thing. Like, it's just, yeah, I just, I wanted to give him some love because this is a really good, <laughs> really good uh, kind of love to hate performance. Uh, char- love to hate character and a great performance. Also, Molly Shannon. Um, this is exactly how old, wealthy, white women act. Uh, so she, she crushed this. And it's not like she probably has pretty good experience at this point with old, wealthy, white women. But, yeah, like, the whole the whole attitude towards work, having a job, and then the sales pitch that you could do more with your— Sure, you could work like everybody else, but you could do more with your time if you were just focused on party-throwing <laughs> and philanthropy yeah. and uh, networking, basically. Which is the way a lot of these, I mean, like, what you're watching unfold with her here, where she's deciding between journalism and, like, living the life of a housewife and, and not having to worry about money, that is a thing, like, in the United States, obviously, um, predominantly for white people, historically, that are making that decision on whether or not they should be a part of the working class in America, or if they're, like, above that now, and it's time for volunteer work. Yeah, and I mean, it, and it's well and beyond, it's, it's well beyond... The, the decision to, like, stay at home and be a mom because yeah, childcare is so expensive and, like, it make, actually makes more sense for you to be home. Like, it's, it's, it's far above that tier. Like, this is, yeah, this, this is, is the wealthy tier. This is, this is the, like, generational wealth tier where you're deciding whether you're going to have a job. Or be a socialite, or be basically. A, basically be a social. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so when we get the full-blown version of what that looks like in Molly Shannon, because before we, I mean, we're just watching Jake and his wife you know, try to figure out what the fuck they're going to do with their lives. But then once Molly Shannon shows up and you get the full-blown picture of what Rachel's choosing between, uh, it's pretty pretty classic. And then just also, would never, ever in a billion years happen, right? Like, we've, we, we're have we in our 30s. We know a lot of people who have gotten married at this point. You ever heard of anybody's parent showing up to a honeymoon? Uh, I have not. I've heard of the bachelor party or bachelorette <laughs> party where a mom goes on the bachelorette or the dad goes on the bachelor. And even that for me, unless it's like you're in your 30s and your dad's your best friend and you're getting married late or remarried, fine. 
If you're 23 and your dad goes on your bachelor party with you, now we all know your dad's a degenerate. That's the only <laughs> thing that's happening here is you're you're basically outing your dad. It's a weird move. Yeah. I, I, even I mean, like like you're saying, like I guess if you're older or you're, it's your second time around the sun, I feel like, like then nobody cares. Yeah, then and you're you know maybe you're doing something chill. Yeah, going to a baseball game, like. Okay, but taking your dad to but Vegas yes. for three days or New Orleans or like one of those things like that is it's a that's a weird move like doing blackout snapchats of your dad for everybody <laughs> or whatever like that I mean I'm look I'm just saying I know it seems fun in the moment but what you're not considering is the long-term impact on your dad's reputation <laughs> which has now been destroyed almost like as if uh, you know someone had walked in on him eating an ass yeah yeah um, I you, your your point is fair. I've never actually heard about this, but it seems to track so well. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. makes it, it it makes a lot of sense here. <laughs> but I'm having fun with the White Lotus in general. Still, it has kind of built on itself week by week. Let's talk about the sad old uh, uh, Stifler's mom for a second before we exit. I guess Stifler's mom has met a gentleman caller who is just some you know basic jackass on a business meeting. Uh, but she tells him he works for BLM, and she's a moron, so she thinks he works for Black Lives Matter, uh, which is just just not the case. They get like 10 minutes into their dinner before she figures that out, but then she still bones, dude. Like, throws, him, throws uh-huh. down uh-huh. hard. Um, do you think this is going to derail her potential business relationship? I, d- I do, I do, I do. Okay, I, d- so I definitely think that that's, that that's what's going to happen. So yeah. the build-up there, the longer that went on, the more you felt like, oh, this isn't going to happen. They're not going to go into business together. Yeah, they they they, they start laying it on a little bit thicker here on in this episode, yes. and I think that the, the the writing was you know being written on the wall in the previous episodes. But like, yeah, Belinda is going to get shafted here. Okay, she is, and she was right. She was cautious at first. She didn't want to get involved. She didn't want to emotionally with, with the yeah. patrons like they're like they're not supposed to do. Yeah, but wait, I think her ta- Tanya is her name. Mm-hmm. I believe like. She's just kind of continued to engage and continued to sell and like sold her this this kind of dream of like getting out from under the man, having your own thing. I'll fund it. I'll support you. And like it's very it's pretty clear right now. Now that she's kind of in, she's writing. She's made this business, business plan, business plan to, to propose to her. And like, yeah, the, the, the rug is going to get pulled out from under her here for sure. And this is why. It's been uh, Laura's estimation that it's uh, Belinda who snaps and, and kills, kills Tanya. Tanya definitely a potential now, right? Yeah, and We've I seen would the just build up. You know, you, how... you, you've talked about the, the the two young girls where that is maybe like a death happens. I've obviously talked about how I think it could definitely be Armand mm-hmm. in the uh, in the wooden box. Uh, two more things that I wanted to touch on there. One, I, while while that's like my guess. Or that was my guess, and and we're making guesses if it is one of our characters in the box. There's also a very, very, very high percentage chance that this is nobody we know. Right. That this was just kind of a red herring to kind of like throw the, you know, to kick us off and like kind of get those wheels spinning in your head so that you're watching everybody so closely and really thinking about how these relationships are developing and changing and twisting and turning. Right. So totally, totally... um, yeah, might not, even, might not even be one of our characters. So I have two questions then to close out the White Lotus conversation. One, where the hell is Lainey, the chick who had the yeah, baby Lonnie, in the Lonnie, first episode, yeah, yeah. Lonnie? Um, I think that stands as our largest hole right now. Like this whole thing. She seemed like she was going to be the focus of the show almost, episode one. Or at least <laughs> one of the main characters. Yeah. And I don't even remember how her... Didn't the storyline end with them like being in his office while she was giving birth? And, and the end of episode one, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we haven't seen her. That's right. That seems pretty weird. She is either going to come back into play in the last episode okay. in some way that we're not expecting. Okay. Or that was again just like a part of episode one that was like kind of leading us in this strange direction. Yeah, but but kind of misdirection. Yeah. Huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then two. So after, you know, with where we're at, if you got to pick somebody, somebody's leaving in a box. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make the assumption that it is going to be one of the characters we know. I don't think they can introduce this many characters and then have the box be somebody that we haven't met five episodes in or, or just a, just a, I, a, it would a, be weird a, to me. A red herring? Okay. It would be weird to me, but I also could absolutely see. I'm just leaning toward it being one of the characters. Okay. Um, if you're going to use that as sort of the driving force for the narrative and not 
throw it out that it was a red herring in the first four episodes, mm-hmm. then it does get a little fucked up. Like now I'm now I would be like, oh come on, that's okay. I'm sitting here watching it for the wrong reason this whole time, <laughs> trying to figure out who dies. I don't know why I went to my Sopranos accent there, but um. There are so many options. Like, everybody has a reason that they could be the person who dies. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it tough. Like, Paula and Olivia as the two teenage girls, um, with all the drugs that are in play, there's, like, OD possibilities yeah. left and right, right? So for, I would argue, Dylan, Armand, Paula, and Olivia, you could count drugs as sure. a possible death. Yep. Um, there's also, you know, any number of reasons for all these people to kill each other at this point. Nicole Mossbacher, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. famous author woman who's married to uh, Mark Mossbacher, Steve Zahn's character. Yep. They've got all kinds of weird shit going. Their their son is in a very strange place where, like, first three episodes at this point, I, I found myself thinking, like, oh, he's going to drown on the beach. <laughs> he's going to sleep on the beach. And the tide's going to come in and kill his ass. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, there's just a reason that every single character, including our newest one between Tanya and um, the masseuse that she's been leading on in this business opportunity... And every the newest one always feels like the most likely for me. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I'm like, Ooh, I think I really do think it is going to be Tanya. Okay, because like, where is she going? Right, right, right. right. With her storyline, yeah. Other than making everyone think she's crazy, yeah. I also it was very funny when she said that when she was throwing her mother's ashes into the ocean that she felt like she was putting food in a fishbowl. <laughs> now I will never be able to sprinkle my own parents' ashes over the ocean. Yeah, because yeah. I'll have this exact same thought. That's all I have for the White Lotus until next week. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would just say uh, my my choice number one, I think the, I think leading is that it's not one of our characters okay. in the box. Okay. But I, but I still, still confident. But I that. still feel like if it is one of our characters that it's that I'm I'm going with Armand. Okay. But I, I still that's that's still my clubhouse leader. But I did. You mentioned the, the brother Quinn. Yeah. And our, our old friend John Duda. That's who he said on Twitter that he thinks. He thinks Quinn's going down. He thinks Quinn's going down. Okay. And a little, um, little uh, momentum behind the Quinn theory. Uh, just a little a little interaction that I had with him reminded me that I've been meaning to talk about this about the White Lotus for the last 3 weeks now and every time we like we get wrapped up in the plot and that I and I forget. Yeah. The title music, the music in this show is next level, dude. Okay. Like, every time we watch this show and the intro comes on yeah. and it's like panning over the like kind of the moving wallpaper we like we find a new way to describe <laughs> what the music sounds like. It's so like it it is so 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 layered and can can read in so many different ways. And it's like very tribal and it's very mystical and it's very ritualistic and it's very eerie and it's kind of scary, but it's also like a little meditative. And yes, it's like that's what I was gonna say. And it it is uh, it's kind of funny. It's almost like mischievous. Like it, hard it, to pack all that into a song, but they yes, did, and they did because every time that little. The little flutes and the little drum beat I don't even comes know how to on. Describe it. <laughs> yeah, you. It's really hard to describe, and that's that's why every time it comes on, it's just like we find some some new way to to or to to talk about it or to describe it or an adjective to put on top of it, and just incredibly well done because it, it just it sets the tone. That's what a good title track does, I think, for for any TV show or miniseries is sets the tone. It set it prepares you for puts you back into this particular world where, and and this one is just kind of like, you know, things are afoot. Things are unraveling. There's a lot of weird shit going down. Yeah. And these people's problems are, are coming to a head and this little like funky little tribal riff is going on and it's kind of just leading you uh, right down that path with all these people. So really, really good work on the... Uh, on the title track there, and I can't believe we only have two more, two more episodes left, man. I hadn't spent a ton of time thinking about the title track in the opening, but I will say this: um, it is like a tractor beam. It sucks me right in, yeah, and it's yeah. that it's the you you put it perfectly. It has so many different elements mixed into one that it's like it just it reminds you of everything that you've seen so far. Basically, it gets yeah. you to sort of think through what what the prior weeks have held. So, well, uh, one last note is yeah. that uh, we talked about how good Steve Zahn's monkey impression was. You mentioned Planet of the Apes. He literally was one of the dudes doing mocap for uh, the the monkeys in, Planet of, in Planet of the Apes. So that would so explain that why is, he's so good at that it. That is why he is so good at that. It also tied in beautifully. Shouts to the Discord, by the way, who for uh, for eliminating that for us. The cord is strong. Yeah. 
tied in beautifully this week to his line to his son, Quinn, where he says, like, you've got to fight the, the monkey the mon- brain. The fi- yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's always this fight between you and the monkey brain. And that, you that be is man enough to face down the monkey. The monkey. And that was a great line. And it is, it is so true in many ways about um, just humanity in general. I don't think it just applies to men. But as a man, I can absolutely speak to the yeah. fact that, like, many, many times in my life, <laughs> there was the logical side of me operating morally— and then the monkey brain going, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares about logic? We Another weird move, though, to tell your, like, 17-year-old son about that, though, right? Isn't that kind of interesting? I, I, That's I was, not good for Quinn. Doesn't seem great. Yeah. It's going to be to, therapy. To learn that about your dad. Definitely going to need therapy. That's another line and coming now, up in the therapy office. Now he knows about the $75,000 bracelets. $75,000. What do they do? They just sit on her wrist? I love that line. That was him. a great line, too. The kid is really good, dude. <laughs> he only plays this kid. In everything he's ever been in. Have you seen him in anything else? Yes. Um, oh, my God. It was not good. It was the Amy Adams movie that came out oh, on Netflix. Oh, the, the woman in the window that yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he plays yeah. this exact same kid, ratcheted up a bit, actually. Okay, all right. And, um, man, yeah, I wish I hadn't gone back to that movie mentally. <laughs> Which brings us to our sponsor of today's show, BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will help you assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's 2021. We could all use therapy at this point. You can use BetterHelp and start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. Broad range of expertise available, which may not be available locally in many areas. A lot of the time, I'll hear from listeners who say, I'm trying to get into therapy or start therapy, and I can't find one in my area that I like. I've tried a couple or I've messaged a few. That's what's great about BetterHelp. You can reach a great therapist from wherever you are. Services available for clients worldwide. Log into your account anytime. Send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you will or would with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. So if by chance you do get a counselor that you're maybe not clicking with, that's fine. BetterHelp. We'll let you switch. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available as well. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website. Read their testimonials that are posted daily. BetterHelp.com slash dragon. That's betterhelp.com slash dragon to join the one million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for the Clam Fam. Our listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dragon. That's 10% off your first month. Support yourself. Get into therapy. Support the show at the same time. Betterhelp.com slash dragon for 10% off. Uh, Amazon's Lord of the Rings television extravaganza that cost a bajillion dollars has finally unveiled its first images. Ah! There's there's pictures and, like, a gif. I saw a gif. I saw okay. a gif on all Twitter. Right, all right. Um, it looks about as expected, but... I guess the time has finally come for me to get a little hyped on this, like to start to feel the, I don't know why, but it's always been in the back of my mind is like this thing that maybe wouldn't happen. Okay. Like they announced it, the pandemic hit. I know how much this is going to cost mm-hmm. and I know how fucked they are if they blow it, which is not beyond the realm of possibility. And uh, I don't know. I just felt like maybe it was going to get like shelved or something. I, and, and it's coming next year. They've continued to power through it. They're finishing it. It is going to be. Um, I feel like Greg in court right now. <laughs> <laughs> Cousin Greg in court. So it is, so and, it is and it shall be. Um, I don't know, man. I I don't, like, know what to make of the Lord of the Rings thing. Like, how, I don't, it's like, with Game of Thrones, I know how much buzz to expect. Uh-huh. I know what's going to happen next year with House of the Dragon and how many people are going to be like, fuck, I don't want to go back, but I have to. And then how many people like you and me are going to be just excited off of, mm-hmm. you know, a new opportunity for some more Song of Ice and Fire material. But with Lord of the Rings, like, it's been so long. The second three movies, the trilogy they did after the first three was kind of, like, weird. I don't know if it just, it just, it felt like that sort of killed some of the hype of this, of this entire the franchise. The Hobbit trilogy. Yeah. The Hobbit yeah. trilogy. Desolation of Smaug. 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 Yeah, Smaug. He was a big dragon. Maybe dragons aren't the way to go. Yeah, uh, so, uh... <sighs> Look, the uh, the original text is obviously very popular, uh, very famous book. Um, Tolkien, 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 and Tolkien. and the uh, and the Peter Jackson movies were, you know, kind of groundbreaking. 
Well, not kind of. They were great. Giant, giant, massive box office smashes that were nominated for all the Academy Awards. It's the type of thing that we've been missing in the Academy Awards. It's one of the, you know, among many other things. Yeah. Like, it's been a long time since, like, a movie that was popular was also a movie that was, like, in the running for for awards. Best and that's movie always, of the year. Yeah. That's been the thing that they've had, that the Academy has had a really, really hard time with this last decade is like move as like box office movies become more and more and more and more just Marvel and DC or giant tentpole franchises like non risks yeah, basically you know um that that's been a bit of a disconnect so it's like you know it was one of the last times that that, that we had that as well all that being said man i i, I just don't think that there's going to be I'm not saying that Amazon made a bad investment with the half billy to to acquire all of the uh, Tolkien material and like have the rights to all of that because as we know from like this IP mining, like it's not just this one show that they're going to do. They didn't spend 500 mil just to do this one show. Like it's so that they have the opportunity to world build and do spinoffs and make this this show and do an animated series and do a movie movie yeah, and like yeah, sure. they 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 have this forever now and and they will continue to to you know mine it for all that it's worth i'm just like like the story because it's already been done and told in a really fascinating and 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 kind of wonderful way just doesn't have its hooks in me yeah i just don't know okay so it's like they spent 465 on just season 1 like four hundred sixty-five million dollars to create Lord of the Rings season one is is what they're spending. They paid two hundred fifty million for the rights, and the show is going to cost a billion overall. But I don't. What I it's it's not the same story. So that's that's where I'm like, we all just right. found out exactly how important it is to have source material. All right, Game of Thrones was pretty inarguably one of the greatest shows ever made through five seasons and then completely fell flat on its face the second it outran the books. I, I feel like that's the the only thing I care about at this point is like, wh- who's writing it? Where's the source material coming from? And what's, because mm-hmm. it's thousands of years before what we've seen, The okay. Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Gotcha. And I, I mean, it, <laughs> I'm just, the part of it that's most curious to me is like, is the hype going to build for an Amazon Lord of the Rings, like, because even from a branding standpoint, those don't fit. Amazon Prime and Amazon's video service is the least, like, good looking. It mm-hmm, looks like you're shopping mm-hmm. for shit on Amazon. Like, are you going to go buy some batteries and a <laughs> right, light bulb? Right. <laughs> um, it's not like if Lord of the Rings was rolled out on Netflix or even Disney Plus or HBO Max or who, a lot of these ones that have really nice interfaces that make you feel like almost you're, it's part of an entertainment experience, whereas the Amazon one makes you feel like you're, again, shopping. Right. So, I don't know. It feels like the new Matt Damon movie should be on Amazon and they should switch that with wherever <laughs> Lord of the Rings should go beyond like HBO Max. Okay. But uh I'm just interested to see if as we get into 2022 there is real hype that builds around Lord of the Rings because as of right now I don't see or hear any of it from anyone except myself. There, there an, like another piece of this is, you know, obviously after Game of Thrones all of these studios wanted a piece like they wanted to follow that up with the quote unquote next Game of Thrones, right? And they, I feel like they all, they looked very narrowly because they were like, "Oh, Game of Thrones is sword and sword and shield, dragons, medieval times," like right. And so they went for properties like The Witcher and Lord of the Rings, yes. which like fit into that or fit under that umbrella, but very obviously. And it's like, yo, I don't know. I think Game of Thrones succeeded in spite of its material in spite of its genre well it was so different that that's you know in what spite I mean? of its genre absolutely like, because it did go further into like the sex nudity the getting fucked up sort of like the frat guy fucking dumbass side of medieval stuff it leaned into that hard like the tv show especially dude they literally got in trouble with society because they couldn't stop showing tits for no reason <laughs> like just an excessive amount of boobies in the first few seasons and that side of it was what took it beyond like Lord of the Rings fantasy. Like there's no yeah. cool sex in Lord of the Rings. Nobody's getting laid. Right. Like if anything, it's just like the closest you'll get is, you know, the elf that's Aerosmith's daughter. <laughs> Liv Tyler. 
Liv Tyler and Viggo Mortensen rest yeah, their heads yeah. against each other. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's hot. Yeah. So uh, that's right. That 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 fits into to to what I'm saying pretty well. Yeah. Right. Is that like. Man, I don't know that the next Game of Thrones is going to be traditional fantasy, fantasy genre stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think the I think the next Game of Thrones is just going to be whatever the next unbelievable story that like captures us and sends us to a new world and invests us in characters and storylines and yeah and 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 plot and mystery and you know all with originality of, though right originality like, that's that we just thing. like eat up because it's 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 something new that we can't get enough of and we all just dive in head first so it's like. To, to just kind of rehash something that that one we've already seen before with, over and over with with six movies and they're all three hours like all right it, it's just it's it's rehashed material and I realize that they're telling a new story and they're going way back but I, way I back. I'm just not sure it's going to be the like massive smashing world capturing success that they think it's going to be. And that's what we all pictured when we heard this news, right? When they originally bought Lord of the Rings as a franchise for Amazon, we were that's what we're all picturing. Wow, they're really going for the next Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. But now a few years removed, it just feels a little sillier and a little more hard to believe that this time, two years from now, we're all going to be talking about yeah. Yeah, the all, Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. All of these things, in no small part thanks to the pandemic, like really weren't able to strike while the iron was hot right. in the first place. Even the House of the Dragon, like, is I think is going to suffer from the fact that it's going to have been three years since we, like, since Game of Thrones finished. Well, and created during a time period where there's more distractions than literally ever in our lifetime. Like, yeah. it is it is just not a time period where I feel like people are as focused on what their Sunday show is and what's coming around this weekend for us to watch on TV because it's just fucking chaos. That's at least what it feels like on my end. Yeah. So. It, it, it'll also be interesting to see, like, as shows like succession and stranger things come back right uh, like are we ha- are we moving past where like the most popular um you know enthralling stuff is season four of whatever the big show is mm. or is it going to be the undoing and the white lotus and mare of East town and like is it going to be these like event series right that that are one season things less than 10 episodes a lot of the times like is that really going to be what is like kind of captures everybody's because like you're saying like because we're, our attention is so scattered and because there's so much going on it's like do we as a as a viewing society like have the time to come back for like 10 more episodes of season five of the show that we all liked Dude, five years ago i would argue it's not even time it's it's the emotional bucket like we're all fold up bro like we there's just too much go- like we all have an incredible amount going on the last mm-hmm. two years and that's like every single person i know literally right like any individual in my life i could pick right now and sit down and be like tell me about all the shit that's been going on with you last year and it would take at least a couple hours because everybody has their own different version of how this stuff has impacted yeah. them and sort of derailed their life right regardless of personal circumstances it's been a weird time emotionally I am not as like available, yeah, right as I as I would normally be. So it takes sort of a special event series to get sure. me to that place where I'm like, okay, I'm excited to watch this. Even with shows that I love, like, dude, I got I stopped watching Dave, season two. I just can't fucking do it right now. <laughs> it's too much. Like it's the weirdness and the sick humor with the mental health stuff like mixed in is my bag, baby. And I'm still not watching because right now I just don't have it. Like I just don't have the capacity. So I think that's a huge part of, look, they found success with this limited series, mini series stuff the past several years, right? Mm-hmm. It's gotten bigger and bigger. The pandemic yep. made it even bigger than it's ever been. Yep. I don't see a reason for them to walk away from that strategy. So I think we see way more of a mixed bag in terms of like the big stuff that's marketed anyway. Right. Because that's the other side of this. Streaming completely changed the release game. You and I, we're pretty plugged in as far as viewing goes. And some shit will pop up that you and me didn't even know was coming now. Right. Because they don't have to market it on Netflix. Because yeah. they don't have to market it on some of these platforms. Um, HBO Max is another one where, like, I'm there every day. Every day at some point I'm on the platform. And if they've got something new out and it's at the top banner, I'm aware of it. You know? Right. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's hard to say what it's going to look like moving forward out of this era. And into what is the next era of entertainment and Hollywood in a, in a world that's not so focused on the 
actively incurring international pandemic, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, haven't been watching Dave. Have you have you stayed on Ted Lasso? I've stayed on Ted Lasso. Yeah, we've only had one more episode. So too uh, deep. It looks like it's going well according to yeah, social media. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I mean, again, there's not like a whole lot to talk about or dissect on that show. Like as as as. Um, as that's is often the case with uh, with the lighter-hearted comedies. That's what's, again, um, why is it a winner, man? I, like, why am I leaning towards that being the next thing I start? Because I know it's not going to, cat. like, it's not an emotional burden. Right. I'm not going to walk <laughs> out of the show like, okay, time to gather myself emotionally so that I can go back to my life. Like, I'm just going to go, that was fun. Yeah. And then move yeah. on. Yeah, you know what? Here's one that like I'm not sure I'm ready to step back into that that is coming at some point is Euphoria season two. I am so far from ready for that. <laughs> I'm like, gonna. Need I really, lots really. Of drugs. I think I need the world to be like, you know, normal, <laughs> totally not pandemic-y <laughs> to 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 put that on my put that on my brain. Don't you put the, that on me, Ricky Bobby. It was one of the hardest watches in history yeah, pre-pandemic, yeah. right? We didn't so, even know how weird the world would get at that point. Yeah, yeah, but that's, I mean, yeah, like you're saying, it, it really just is weird how, how the last, you know, two years have totally, like, shifted what it what it is that we have time for or, or want to do with our time. Because, you know, you, you, you when you were talking about that, I was, like, thinking about how much time we all invested in Game of Thrones, whether it was, like, listening or recording to podcasts about it every yeah. week. Or reading Ask the Maester on, you know, on the ringer, on the ringer wherever, or whatever coverage it was. coverage everywhere. Or diving like, into Reddit or like, you know, like there was so much extracurricular, uh, you know, around it that you could go invest your time in. And enjoy. And yeah. enjoy. And it's like the desire to do that with a show has Not really has really waned for me. You know? I think like, that I, betrayal like, at the end of, I mean, I'll call it a betrayal. The, the, the shitty ending of the show was a big part of that, I think. We all went so deep, and then it fizzled. And it was like, oh, God, should we have gone as deep as we did? Yeah. And, I mean, it just... And also, too, like what we talked about earlier, it's, look, there was a lot to chew on with Game of Thrones in a way that very few shows were able to provide. Yeah. Um, and, I, and and by the way, I still like the the kind of the the second layer of it. I like reading yeah. about shows that I'm watching. I like listening and recording podcast listening to and recording podcasts about shows that i'm watching it's just that it's that third like deep dive layer of like this is like a like there's this whole other you know sub layer to it that i am exploring and and you know everybody's got takes and, and just you're getting to dissect them all. Up. it's 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 just a little it's a little lighter than that it's a little bit more um you know surface where it's like I want to watch. I want to engage a little bit, and then it's like I'm on to to whatever else. I'm not right. So it does take a specific kind of show to get me into the place where I'm willing to deep dive. I mean, really, like Game of Thrones is the ultimate example. The other one, The Sopranos, that we're doing right now on yeah, Patreon.com/slash/OystersClamsCockles, yeah. where every week Barrett and I do an ad-free episode covering one episode of uh, HBO's classic crime drama, The Sopranos. It's friendly to both first timers and repeat viewers. Um, if you would like to join us, there are over 30-something episodes available for you of the podcast on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles for the first three seasons and nine episodes of The Sopranos at this point. We're working through one a week. We've got another one coming this Thursday. Sopranos definitely an example of a show where there's like, there's just a ridiculous amount of stuff to talk about week in and week out with all the different characters that they get you invested in. And it's similar to Game of Thrones in that way, that the Game of Thrones season one was mad overwhelming because you meet 30 characters and you're just like, yeah. who are all these people and why don't I know very much about any of them? By season three, you're like a crackhead for it. <laughs> and you know them all like better than you know your own family. And that's sort of how The Sopranos built in a world that Game of Thrones didn't exist in yet. So it is really cool to see where, as Barrett and I have talked about, like the beginning of prestige TV, sort yeah, of. Like yeah. this is what bore forth the era we are all now in, where like these premium networks like HBO um, kind of have dominated. Obviously, Netflix changed the whole scale of all of this shit when it came in, and then the pandemic changed it again. And we're just now actively seeing how that is going to even right. yeah, unfold. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think that's one times. of the most interesting parts about what we're doing with the Sopranos is that it's it's kind of a, a a case study it's kind of a history lesson it's it's kind of um you know we're 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 reinvestigating 
the kind of the the impetus for everything that's on TV right now, whether it's like something that you might consider a like still a Sopranos successor right. like succession. Right. Or whether it's like how prestige how, how Sopranos laid the path for prestige television to be doing things like Mare of Easttown or White Lotus or whatever other or, yeah. or Queen's Gambit or whatever whatever other limited series that that we're on to to now in uh, the 2020s so we've had a lot of fun so far and uh, we'd love for any of you to join us all of you to join us on patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles where again Barrett and I one episode of The Sopranos per week. We do a companion podcast for that episode. It drops on Patreon. There's a few tiers from y'all to pick from. And uh, it's ad-free. We dissect and discuss each episode as we did with Game of Thrones. And it is a blast. We guarantee you'll enjoy it. Go. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Support the show and get you some of The Sopranos uh, podcasting at the same time. So quickly, new Scorsese film in development. Ah. Have you heard of this? Seen this? Um, you heard about this? Maybe. Called Killers of the Flower Moon? Oh, yeah, I have heard about this. Yeah. DiCaprio. Yep. De Niro. Newest ad? Jesse Plemons. Okay. Plemons has, like, he took that Breaking Bad role and ran with it, son. Um, he is, I think, probably, like, I'm trying to think about how to, how, how to frame this, how to say this. Hollywood fucking loves Jesse Plemons. Yeah. Like directors and cat directors and casting directors and producers are like, let me get some of that Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Seriously though, um, he, he must be he, very enjoyable to work he's with. He's on that like, I, I just he's the first guy on your speed dial when you're like, oh, we need an amazing actor who everybody will fucking hate, and it's like and that's no that's that's, that's an everyman though. That's who you call right, not yes. some super handsome jock freak show with abs. No, not not some like yeah, not a not some fast and furious villain. Right. But but some like a like a true, you know, Joe Sixpack. My god, we are going to hate this guy. God, he's just the most punchable <laughs> face ever when he wants it to be, man. Um so yeah, I'm looking forward to I have no no semblance of an idea of what this this movie is about. I didn't even know the new Scorsese film was being developed or cast at all. And uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is the title. Hell of a cast so far. Looking forward to seeing what the hell that's about. I had one more question for you, Barrett, before we leave today. And that is, have you watched the new Fast and the Furious? I've not. Uh, as you know, it is only available in theaters. Is and... that the case? Uh-huh. No shit. Okay. I thought it was also available on HBO. No, no, it's not a, a it's not a it's not a Warner Brothers property. Um, property. It's univer it's universal. Hmm. Um, I think maybe I saw that it's on demand now. You might be able to get it on demand for like thirty bucks for or something. thirty dollars. It's somewhere because it was on my Apple TV. I swear. But um, but no, I have I've I've not seen the new one. I wanted to see that in theaters. I saw Black Widow first, and thank you to the. Uh, Delta outbreak. It's just probably gonna like. I probably the last movie you ever see, man. That was it. I I probably just need this thing to die off before um, before you go back. Before I go back, and hopefully that's in like six weeks. Yeah, Um, you mentioned Black Widow, so we have to comment on oh the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. Yeah, and the Emma Stone lawsuit, which is the same thing. They are suing the uh, production companies based on they're suing Disney. Yeah, straight to streaming. Yeah. Right, they they think that's a violation of their contract or whatever they agreed yeah, so to the, when they decided the, to make these movies. Right, the deals that that they agreed on in both the case of Emma Stone and Scarlett Johansson, and like a lot of these, you know, giant A list celebrities, you know, dating back to to wherever, but like a famous one is again a Disney property with uh, with uh, Johnny Depp and all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh yeah, he gets his ten million or whatever up front. But then the contract that he works out is heavy, heavy, heavy backloaded right. to get a piece of the pie on the box office. So that if he cru- and so the, that- the the selling point for guys like him or gals like ScarJo and Emma Stone, hi, I'm so big and popular that your film is going to succeed based on my name alone. So here's what you're going to give me up front. But then I want a piece of the back end because I'm the face driving people to the movie theater. Right, and that's how you that that's how these people like. Whoever who and just name one and they harder now, but Johnny Depp back when Pirates yeah. dropped for sure, but that, right? But that's how you that that's how you you gamble on yourself, right? It's right. like do I want to do I want to make twenty million just upfront on this film or a hundred on the back? Do I want to make 
50 or 60 million yeah. because I get a piece of the back end. I guess 100 would be outrageous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I do believe that was around the number for that first Pirates film that Johnny Damn. Depp took home, which is part I of the re- which is a piece of the reason why it's so flabbergasting and shocking that that dude uh, somehow spent all of his money. Um, and sucks as much as he appears to, just <laughs> as a human. Like, just not a fun cat, from what I can so, tell. Uh, so, yes, the the deals for Scarlett Johansson and Emma Stone had back-end, um, you know, percentages. Which are them, affected by the streaming, obviously. Which are a- obviously ex- a- affected by the fact that you can go onto Disney Plus and buy the movie for $30, which I take it is not counted as box office numbers that they're not getting a piece of and they're not getting a piece of 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 that purchase part of the interesting thing about this story to me is that um we're talking about disney okay so disney is not a company that makes a decision like to put black widow on streaming without considering this so they clearly knew there was going to be some type of issue either weren't able to work it out with her beforehand or chose not to even try and are just going to close it up on uh, after the fact so she'll either get a blank check or whatever cut of the streaming sales will be put into her cut, right? So, like, she'll get her money out that she wants. But I just find it hard to believe that Disney wasn't aware that this was going to be a lawsuit that they were going to incur. Yeah. Um, the the uh, there, there was apparently, I, I saw something that was like, the contract may be in favor of Disney on this whole thing. That she's like pushing, she's pushing to see and, if she can get it. Yeah, but. and I think, and, and you know, the fact that there are two of these lawsuits now, the fact that Emma Stone has also claimed one, I think bodes well for um, for the actors here. But the lawsuits make total sense to me. Like, yeah. I'm like, get y'all go, like get your money, girls. Absolutely. Because this, this does, this does affect you, what you were supposed to make and you should be getting a piece you know, of this thing that wasn't actually considered or included in your original contract and and whether or not they can is yet to be determined. But it, it, at least it's setting the precedent going forward that this is something that these actors uh, have to think about and include in their contracts because this is the Wild West at this point yeah. with, with, with how this is going to go from here on out. Distribution-wise, yeah. Right, and, we, and we've talked a little bit about this. Like, how does it, you know, how does it work when you're... Uh, you know, uh, the main dude on Outer Banks, for example, right? You're on the second season of this very popular show. Well, that show's never getting syndicated. You right. ne- you never have the opportunity to like get the Seinfeld or the Friends money or whatever it, or whatever it might be. I realize that Outer Banks is not a 30 minute sitcom, but like because it'll be on Netflix forever. Stream- is your point. Right? Streaming changed all of that that ability to like make money kind of forever off of something that turns out to be really popular. Definitely changed the game big time. And so it's like, you know, I I, I don't, I, I think for younger actors who are just breaking through and like sign on for a show like Outer Banks, they're just happy to get the role and build their audience and get 4 million followers on Instagram, right? That's that's a piece that the Seinfeld people didn't have. Yep. But, um, but at the same time, it's like, there's going to be more and more of this working, like working to figure out how do we get how, how do we get yeah. this to be fair again? Yes. Yeah. yeah. How do we make money off of the continued success of the shows that we make successful by being on them? And I do think it's important to remember how we got here, which is that movies and television shows are competing against internet content every week, which is blasted directly to our phones in 10-second chunks on TikTok and fucking Twitter and Instagram and all the other social platforms. They've got to be able to distribute movies and television shows in a way that are accessible in at least a competing realm, right? Because if I'm making a choice between going to my couch and spending 20 minutes watching it, whatever, or streaming something on my phone for five minutes and then moving on with my day or watching porn or whatever, people have a lot of decisions to make about the content they're consuming daily. It's another piece of the pandemic pie that sort of threw everything up in the air and changed it all. The routine of life is has been shuffled. And in the entertainment world, it shuffled really, really hard. And so Hollywood is still trying to figure out how do we get people to consume our content if obviously in 2021, on-demand viewing, not having to go to a location like a theater mm-hmm. to see something is the new status quo. What if they did, what if somebody made like a network 
that was exclusively available okay. on your phone and okay. had like a ton of shows all with like a bunch of popular celebrities, oh, but man. all the shows were only like 10 minutes long. Dude, this is genius. So you could just like eat up these shows, like a whole season of a show, like take you less than an hour and it has people that you know and love and it's just, it's right on your phone. You can't even watch it on your Apple TV. Oh, because, what do we call it? Because you don't even, you don't even need that. You don't even need to go to the Apple TV. Do you like this idea? Yeah. What's it called? It's called Quibi. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's put all of our money into Quibi. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to solve this. That's the beauty of it, though. We get to watch the battle live. Yeah. And it's yeah. happening right now with stuff like the lawsuits is, we man, just it mentioned. Is, so, it is. yeah, good it's, stuff. Yeah, it's been, um, man, it's been interesting to read some of the stuff about, about what's going on out there because Netflix and Disney are obviously, like, not going anywhere. Netflix is Netflix, as we've talked about. They, they, they still have just, you know, truckloads of money they are the they are tv essentially yeah everybody has netflix they still have the most subscribers i think out of anybody uh disney is disney they own everything they own so all marvel properties. and all star wars and and whatever else they have out there and then apple and amazon are the two richest companies in the entire world <laughs> that are just doing it for funsies basically and so it's really it's weird to think about like how how hbo despite it being Probably our most favorite network. Historically, what, what definitely. What is producing the, the shows that we like the most and yes. want to talk about the most. It's the brand is, loyalty for me is there. Yeah. Is actually like potentially going to be one of the ones that is on the outside looking in. Right. Because the other four just have too much money. Like yeah, they, it, they, they just have too much status, too much. They are, as they say, too big to fail. Yeah, Netflix literally, like, beca it was that first streaming platform that captured sort of, the it, through the wide net, right? It was like the Venmo of fucking person-to-person -person cash yeah. payments or whatever. Where everybody had it, it becomes sort of the verb of the that world. We're going to go Netflix and chill tonight or whatever. Yep, yep. Um, so it is over, as you put it. Like, Netflix is never going away. They have so much money. We are so many years deep, and, and it's just an ungodly amount of cash rolling in every month from subscriptions. We have seen them spend frivolous amounts on movies that we'll never even remember and it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter like that will smith movie what the fuck was that called glow or bright, something bright? bright there's another one coming out that has the rock gal gadot and uh ryan reynolds in it it's called like redline or something it's, it's coming like a 60 out, million dollar like, three person like two, cast it's coming out like two days or something see they spent i think no i think they spent like 200 million on it and so they like, just don't care and they just then there's Apple and Just Amazon. Just going straight to Netflix. Like, I'm, which, sure, to I'm sure a billion people will watch it, but it will never be talked about again. Apple and Amazon are getting our money forever no matter what. The iPhone and Amazon where yeah. we order all the staplers and pieces of paper and dog chew balls and sometimes take, my uh, food and groceries from. Take, take the stapler. I'm going to burn the building down. They're never going to run out of money. Yep. So they can do the fun little streaming, yeah, crank can, out movies can, like yep. Tomorrow War yep. and Apple. It can and spend $500 million on Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings properties, and they're not even blinking, man. They yep. do not care. So I agree with you. It is an interesting spot that we find HBO in. From It was the prestige if you sort of had, like, if you love TV and you had a little money, you got HBO. Right. And yep. everybody knows that. Yep. And now it's sort of like that world is for everyone. How does HBO fit in? And that's where they've they've expanded the brand of HBO from this pure, only premium, the best of the best adult content, sort of, it's always the way HBO's been, it's not yep. for like 12 year olds, right. to HBO Max, which has all these different properties and sillier stuff for kids too, and like all these anime movies, and like they're just, they're, they're finally casting the yep. much wider net out of necessity to continue to compete yep. with these other networks now. Yeah, I, what, 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 what will be interesting, and I mean, obviously, we know that Discovery just bought the HBO piece of, uh, or bought HBO Warner, or, or however that whole deal went. I never went, understand went down, but it, it, like we're probably going to see some a little bit more merging. Yep, to stay for some of these places to stay alive, and it's like AMC Plus is a good example of a streaming service that has stuff that I want to watch, but it's like at this point, man, my dance card is full. Dude. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I'm paying for Hulu, Netflix, Disney, HBO. Like it's chaos. We're my getting YouTube, back to the my, cable. My days. YouTube TV, and it's like I just don't. I cannot stomach another seven dollars or whatever for AMC. But there's stuff I want to. I want to watch on there, and it's like you know, package that up with Peacock and then with HBO Max, and then like, you're now in. we're talking. Like, then you're now, in. you know what I mean? Like that. So, 
So it'll just be, it, it's definitely the next five years, we'll see continued movement as, as some of these other, you know, players that are like just on the other side of, of the big four, try to make sure that they stay with the big four. And that they do it with branding that doesn't leave us scratching our heads. We've watched a lot of this shuffling the last couple of years get confusing. Yeah. Where, where HBO at one point had three apps and we were like, which fucking one runs the show? HBO yeah. Go, HBO Now, HBO Max, which one is it? Um, things are starting to come together. We're getting to a more yeah, we sensible even place. Paramount, by the way. Paramount Plus. They're everywhere. And but so, I, I do agree with you. I think there will be more merging before yeah. it's all said and done because those three that we mentioned that are sort of untouchable, the others are gonna need to gang together a little bit because there's fifteen other streaming apps like AMC, Paramount, yep. Peacocks and and they all show up on my credit card every month. And then when I see the one that I'm like, I don't even know what that is. That's the one that upsets me. The AMC Plus of it is the one that upsets me. Where I'm like, I haven't clicked on that app since fucking December. Yeah. yeah. Why am I paying? Like that's Then I can start to do the math. And I'm like, that's like $88 I've spent in the last few months on this. I haven't even watched it. And then I get angry and hate the streaming world that we live in. Yeah. 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 But then I go sit down and have 4,000 options for things I can watch, and I love it again. So who knows? Who knows what's right? Barrett and I will be back on Thursday, though. That much is is clear. With another episode of The Sopranos on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Come through. Enjoy one of the greatest shows of all time with us. I promise if you hated the ending of Game of Thrones, you will not hate the ending of The Sopranos as much. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say about it for now. Just Patreon. Up, Russ, just cook up some macaroni. Get your gravy. You got to get the macaroni on the pot. You put it back in the pot. You get it on the heat. 45 seconds. 45 seconds. 45 seconds. Gabagool. Then you get a little gravy in there. You mix it all around. It coats the pasta. Mm. That way it soaks up the sauce. You're Uh, not just putting the sauce. You're not just putting the sauce on top of the macaroni. Of course. Yeah, and and one of the things that the Sopranos will do for you is teach you how How to to make Italian cuisine. Yeah, that's right. right. Patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles for more with with Barrett and I every Thursday enjoying an episode of uh, HBO's finest, The Sopranos. Because the thing is, you gotta hit the books. If you don't hit the books, (laughs) you're not gonna go to school. (laughs) Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. We love y'all. Thanks for being here. Until next helping, goodbye, friends. Goodbye.